Michael Woodhouse is a National Party MP in Parliament since 2008. He is the shadow uh, Minister of Finance or the National Party Finance Spokesperson. Uh, Michael, thanks for joining Taxpayer Talk. Good morning, Jordan. It's a pleasure. Now, what's the difference between... How do you divide the role between you and Andrew Bailey, who's the Treasurer? Yeah, well, the, in terms of delegations, my role is, is around uh, government spending, uh, the debt that they incur from that, and the cost of the debt. Andrew Bailey has pretty much everything else, but it covers um, the budget setting process, the um, monetary policy, Kiwi saver, and superannuation. Now, it's not a clean separation because if you look at the budget, for example, that's all about bud- uh, government spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and more than that, I think we've got a sort of a a, a, um, a a shared role where he is very busy this year engaging the boardroom that I think we lost a little bit over the last couple of years. And he's doing a really good job on that. Uh, and I, I take on more of a house role. Uh, although we share the oral questions and having a crack at uh, the Minister of Finance. So it is a, a sort of a tag team with a with a, a zigzag boundary. It's not a tidy boundary. And and um, I think so far it's, good. it's working pretty well. And we've got you on here obviously to talk about the uh, your new tax package or back in business plan that, that was lost in the, um, in the breeze of all the uh, big news events over the last uh, few weeks, uh, particularly us here in Auckland being... Um, uh, stuck in a home detention. Um, I, you're not a member of the Taxpayers Union, are you? You're not one not an those. official member. I, uh, I'm a regular reader and supporter. Well, that's good because I'm going to be a bit tough on you, uh, Michael. You I would be disappointed if you weren't, Jordan. Uh, well, I, I don't know if you've heard. Uh, well, it was only fair we get you on because uh, David Seymour and I criticised the policy pretty heavily, although I had some problems with, with, with actors X. Uh, tax policy out, I think, the day before yours, uh, covering very similar matters. But mm. um, firstly, though, for the because it was a few weeks ago, and, and and for the listeners that didn't catch it, take us through what your you know the headlines for your back in business plan. Well, the first thing is to give business certainty. Uh, look, last year, COVID response, I think, was adequate. We've had a government that's coasting along, thinking it's best in class, not really going hard on the things that we need to give confidence about opening up even uh, with outbreaks. So it, it's about uh, dovetailing our, our opening up plan um, by giving businesses the opportunity to move across boundaries if they exist. Uh, to engage in international trade, to to bring business such as tourism and international education back into New Zealand, and to reduce the degree to which we rely on lockdowns to manage virus outbreaks. As well as that, we know businesses are really hurting. Whereas they might have been able to draw on their balance sheet or borrow last year to survive, the the cupboards bare and the stress levels uh, within business are huge. So we've got uh, four or five policies to give relief to that. Um, firstly, a more generous um, business support package if we do go into lockdown, uh, tax reductions for small business from the current rate down to 17.5%, the ability to expense uh, a significant amount of asset purchases so that they can get into capital procurement with more confidence that um, that cash flow isn't um, badly affected. It's it capped though, isn't it? It's 150. <clears throat> it's effectively allows you a one-off uh, depreciation yep. of up to 
250,000. That's right. And look, we looked at, uh, we consulted with the tax community about that. And and one particular uh, tax expert said to me, look, there'll be the business will be dancing in the streets if you made it 50,000. Um, we campaigned on, on 150,000 last year and re- we reiterated that. There was talk of going up to half a million, but actually and what we... the limit? I mean, tr- with, I mean, this was the economic rocket that Trump put out under, you know, full tax deductibility yeah. for capital assets. And the challenge for the New Zealand, one of the two big challenges for the New Zealand economy in my lifetime, has been product, labour productivity, yeah. i.e. undercapitalisation. Why would you have a limit at all? Well, you, you know, I'm a chartered accountant. I have been for 25 years. Um, the principle so of big, big, big accountants don't want it. Yeah, no. Look, the, I, I think from a from a business perspective, spreading the cost of the asset over the life of the asset is an important principle. This will no, supercharge. No, that's for the purposes of accounting, not for tax. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't tend to use unless you're a small business. The IRDs depreciation rates for your own. Um, uh, asset valuations on, on, on your balance sheet. Yeah, look, I, 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 let's not get too diverted into the um, the, the philosophy of, of accounting, but I yeah, think for the investors, the investors of companies uh, will want to know um, what the state of the balance sheet is, including the estimated life of the assets that it owns, uh, and the accounting of for that and the taxation of that is, is I think, an important part of that. This is a really significant bolus. As I say, the experts we spoke to said that 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 even at fifty thousand, there would be a significant boost to uh, to business and an incentive to invest. We went three times above that. I think that's a right the right place to be. We we agree with the policy. But this is something the taxpayer you've been calling for a long time. You still haven't answered. Why have a cap at all? Well, I, I, is, it, it, is it an affordability thing? Yes and no. I mean, in the short term, it's a significant cost, uh, but actually, that's recovered by the fact that profits are higher for business in future years because they don't have the depreciation expense to offset their tax liability. So, in on a net basis over the life of the asset, there's no difference um, on the crown balance sheet. They'll still gather the same. Uh, tax revenue, so it's not really a cost issue except in cash flow. Uh, but as I say, it's important. The, 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 I, so you're not. A, so you don't think that the main reason you do this is actually the long-term economic benefits of of more capital investment across the economy. Well, you're making an argument for cash accounting. And that's perfectly fine. That is, account for money coming in and money going out. Uh, I actually think running business is a bit more sophisticated than that, and there there does need to be an allocation of the resource over the life of it, uh, of the asset. So, you know, we, we we can agree to disagree, but I think I think this is a significant boost to investment in technology and assets and capital equipment that businesses are looking for. Okay, well, let's move on to your. You mentioned the business tax cuts. Um, it's not all businesses, though, is it? It's only a reduction of the company rate from 28% down to 17.5%, the same as it is for um, for Maori authorities, mm-hmm. uh, but only for companies of fewer than 19 employees. Look, we, we've had a, a, a generation consensus of a, of a simple tax system. Why on earth would we want to pick up one of the worst features of corporate taxation from European countries of a two-tier or multiple-tiered tax system, depending on the size of a company. 
Well, firstly, it's not only European countries. Australia has adopted it as well. We like the idea of giving tax relief to small businesses. And bear in mind that these are uh, often businesses that are closely held by the owners rather than in um, you know private or public shareholding. This is also a bolus as a consequence of COVID, right? So we're not talking about National Party's policy on tax going into the next election. This is a short-term fillip for uh, for small businesses to help them survive the next six months. Because what we heard, and I'm sure you've heard the same, is that the pain that's being experienced right across the country is almost unsustainable for, for some. And so the reduced but tax rate and the ability to... Because it's cash flow that's issued, you're not going to. If you're running a loss, this means absolutely nothing. Which is why you need to look at it this in the context of the other policy of the tax loss carryback, which the government did last year, but they refused to include shareholder salaries in that equation. We would, and that would have a significant positive cash flow um, for businesses. And, and as I say, you've got to look at the tax policy as a package. You can pick the eyes out of the individual things and say they're not enough or they're not in the right place. But actually taken as a whole, the five or six things that we're going to do to ease the tax burden on small business, uh, I think has a very significant impact. Yeah, you can only ease the tax burden though if, if, if they're profitable. But, but do, do you accept though, by, making, by slicing and dicing our corporate tax system based on the size of the company, you actually risk the consensus we've had for a generation that you're not that you're not increasing complexity uh, of that system, especially when there's not even a real benefit over the medium term because of our imputation regime. It's all charged at the marginal at, at, at the um, the shareholders' marginal tax rate anyway. Well, at least for domestic shareholders. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, and, you know, as a former Minister of Revenue, I'm very familiar with the, the goals of the broad-based low-rate tax system. And National Party still strongly because it is a bolus for a very, very difficult period of time. We will, you know, well, look, I'd like to have a lower uh, corporate tax rate overall. But that's a question and a discussion that we will have over the next year or so as we lead into 2023. Um the important thing is to make sure that the tax system is easy to understand. I don't think this makes it any more difficult, by the way. Uh, but the principles that you espouse, I, I agree with. This is. But you, I mean, you're providing an incentive for small companies to stay small. Oh, uh, look, uh, that. Or, 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 or creating. To the degree that there is a theory that progressive tax rates at the margins uh, blunt innovation and aspiration, you, you know, there's an argument for that. But we don't have that in personal income tax necessarily. Um, I'm trying to remember the theory that basically says, you know, the um, if if you tax it sort of 100%, then nobody would work. That's true. And if you tax it 0%, everybody would be very productive. That's true also. But in the mid-ranges, those kind of theories don't apply. We, we believe that um, this is necessary. And we'll be looking at our longer-term tax policy as we go into the next election. You mentioned the um, income tax rates. You guys want to give a, a full four dollars a week back to um, to workers. Take us through that and why you why in particular you've chosen that ten point five percent marginal income tax threshold to change rather than a, a um, tax rate that people actually you know that, that is someone's marginal tax rate. 
Well, I mean, you've already um, argued the point about uh, the degree of, of imputation in the personal setting. Wealth transfers has the same uh, impact on that. So what we're trying to do is have the, the, the most gain for lower-income New Zealanders. And, and again, I would say that you need to have a look at that in the context of the other things that we're doing to support work and workers to save their jobs. The voucher scheme is the same. It's only $100. But I tell you what, the hospitality industry this absolutely the, loved this it. The, this is the um, $100 voucher for Yeah, for the, the dining experience. Well, you, you want to spend it on Maccas, that's fine. That's entirely your choice. I'd probably go for a slightly mid-range restaurant. But um, but the beauty of that scale. is that... Your, your pay scale might be, more, might be more than mine. I don't know about that. <laughs> but um, I think I, that, that is a bit mean. Look, you know, I'm I'm happy to be criticised because tax cuts are not enough. What we know, because uh, remember, National is very firmly wedded to the idea of income tax threshold adjustments for inflation and the and the theft of people's incomes with bracket creep. Uh, we had a members' bill in Simon Bridges' name this year defeated by the government, and there is no doubt that this government um, will never give a, ca- a tax break. They'll never yeah, give a tax cut. Like They'll never the adjust um, thresholds because of the envy of the fact that because you and I get it, they won't give it to a low-income worker. I think that's a really, really bad way to think. It's As I say, it's an envy policy. We don't buy into it. We support those increases in thresholds. But in this policy, it was a, a, a short-term boost as part – sorry, a small boost as part of a wider package um, – and we do need to be mindful of the cost of these things, right? So, you know, the the um, the total cost of the package, I think, it was about a one-off cost of about one hundred and seventy million dollars. For every week of lockdown, it was about three hundred and sixty million dollars. And for the tax relief for small business, it was about uh, one point eight billion. Albeit that, as I say, that's a timing difference that the crown could recover at least a part of in future years. So, you know, we're talking about a significant um, boost. At a time when I reckon what government is spending, how much it's spending and on what, really matters. And that's one of those burning bridges that, that is often yes. in the future. I think it's much closer to, a, to us than we think. So I've read your press release on this, and the very obvious question is how you're going to pay. I should just say up front, the taxpayers' union never seen a tax cut we don't like, okay? <laughs> just saying that up front. On you. But it's a hell of a disappointing that at a time when... Every dollar is borrowed or printed or, you know, borrowed, borrowed in, a, in, a, in a strange way where it's the Reserve Bank immediately buys the bond back, etc. It is incredibly frustrating that just like some government spending is better than others, you've gone and instead of flattening the tax system, have actually increased the um, progressiveness of it. And you've spent it, or sorry, you've, focused at that low rate rather than something in the middle which changes the incentive to work or get back into the workforce or to be more productive. So I I put to you, why as a conservative party or a party for the, um, you know, reward for work, et cetera, why on earth would you effectively do the closest thing to a Labour Party tax cut that you could imagine? Of steepening that uh, that progressiveness even more, and re- and changing the threshold for the lowest marginal income rate, which 
no one is paying. Well, that is the classic straw man argument, Jordan, because there is no such thing as a Labour Party tax cut. They ain't going to give it to you, well, right? This is the most, I put to you, this is the most left-wing tax cut that you could... Uh, that you could develop. In this country, there is no such thing as a left-wing tax cut. And the thing that government does in terms of... How does this increase productivity or grow the pie to slay the debt monster? Well, let's, let's start with the fact that any tax cut will increase productivity. I have a firm belief in that. And I'm happy to take your criticism that we haven't gone far enough, but we're heading in the right direction and it will never happen under this government. In fact, quite the opposite will happen. We've got the 39 cent rate uh, coming in this year. We've got an envious David Parker wanting to sniff around domestic trust and high net worth individuals. That is to claw back as much of his belief about their ill-gotten gains as possible. If you're going to criticise the National Party for not doing uh, enough on tax cuts, that's fine. But let's let's see this for what it was. It was a short-term response to a COVID situation pending a broader policy reflection going into the next election. So you you so you'll be coming back to this stuff prior to the election. Absolutely. I mean, we're starting a number of policy uh, reflections, which we've announced, um, which is called the big fixes. Uh, one of the ones that Andrew Bailey and I is working are, are working on will be how do we raise incomes? Now, there's two ways you can raise incomes. Um, the lazy way, which is the government sort of increases in minimum wage and wealth transfers, uh, and then there's the other ways on increasing productivity and reducing the tax burden. Those will be our focus. So I guess like, I'll put it to you a different way. Why wouldn't, if you have, um, what, what's the cost of this? If you find the, what was the, um, what was the, what you estimated how much, what the fiscal impact of this? Yeah, well, it, it's, there's different timings. It's a $170 million one-off cost, $360 a million a week for every well, week of lockdown. Five, six and a half a billion a year for the, for the income tax. For the income tax one, that's right. Yeah, yep. so why not spend that half a billion on one of the middle rates that people are actually changing the, you know, what you, what you get for the extra hour worked? Why didn't you focus at the middle? Because we wanted to, to uh, support our lower income workers, um, I think National Party has a reputation for being uh, supporting the big end of town. Um, I think I think it, that's untrue and unfair. Uh, but this was a very clear signal that in the meantime, that's where our focus would be. But you're all supposed to be the party for the better economics. Absolutely, and what we are releasing overall is going to get better economy because the the key to this is and obviously you're focused on the tax cuts so that's really important but actually getting business back trading and substituting the welfare that government is providing through wage subsidies and business resurgence payments. Well, no, I don't think it is actually because you've just pointed out that tax cuts are only effective if companies make a surplus, if they make a profit. So the really important thing is to get back to normal trading as soon as we can. Okay, well, we'll have to um, we'll have to agree to disagree there. I am very glad, though, that you're picking up our stuff around um, uh, our excellent reports in relation to uh, fiscal drag or um, uh, um, as inflation impacts people's um, average. Tax and I'm rate. equally glad that you're picking up ours because that fiscal drag <laughs> argument's been one that's been had since as long as I've been in Parliament and before the Taxpayers Union existed.
actually, before we move on, I should say, you mentioned the curve earlier, and I was trying to think what it's called. It's the Laffer Curve. The Laffer Curve. Thank you very much. So if you go, after this interview, if you go into our workroom, on the wall is actually a napkin that has the Laffer Curve on it, signed by the guy Laffer. Wow. Um, from we were fortunate enough for a donor a few just pr- actually just prior to COVID um, in January last year to um, to sponsor one of our young student interns to go over to the UK for six weeks and work at the Taxpayers Alliance mm-hmm. um, over here and met this chap and brought back this. It sounds it's a, it's literally a napkin. No, it's a great bit of provenance. And the Laffer theory, I think, is 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 a very sound one at the margins. The problem is it gets really fuzzy in the middle, and that lets yeah. left wing governments off the hook when they say that a marginal increase in the top tax rate won't have a negative impact. Uh, and in fact, they believe it's stimulatory. Well, I, I, I call BS on that. Yeah, of course, especially where you've got a um, where you've got an imputation regime, and you, if you decouple the the company tax rate from a top um, marginal tax rate. Yep. Just explain the Laffer, con- Laffer curve concept is: if you have a zero percent tax rate, you get zero income. If you have a hundred percent tax rate, you have zero income. And so it, it looks like a sort of a, 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 or, or a, a, the top half of an egg. Yeah. Of this. Point and the challenge is to find the apex point and the well, uh, the fiscal. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, for policymakers, because we've still got to pay for stuff, and um, and and the, the the challenge is to find the sweet spot which maximises productivity and uh, the ability to pay for public goods. So I um I, I want to just touch on sort of general politics uh, at the moment. We've um, appreciate you've um, not seen it, although I have told you it, it's coming. Uh, by the time this podcast is published, later mm-hmm. today or tomorrow. Uh, the uh, November Taxpayers Union Courier poll will be out. It shows for the first time in um, what 14 years since the uh, G- first time since the GFC, more New Zealanders are saying that New Zealand is heading in the wrong direction than heading in the right direction. This is surely fertile ground right now for opposition parties. Why isn't the National Party getting more traction? Uh, look, I think they will be. Uh, l- let's start with the trend since the last election. You know, we got a shellacking. There's no doubt about that. And we've had several um, internal poll problems that have meant that while people aren't enamoured with the government, they're not yet turning their minds to us. But 11 months out from that election, there was a 10-seat move in the Colmar-Brunton poll. So it went from 75-45 left to right to 65-55. We do that again in two years' time, we government. Now, it's true, we didn't get as many of those seats in, in the polling as we would have liked, um, and that's a that's a work in progress for us. But the real story of that trend is, is what you've just articulated in the Courier poll, and that is that people are thinking we're not heading in the right direction. There's a plethora of reasons for that, um, and and we will be tapping into those uh, those core things because, look, COVID has been a massive distraction from the simple reality that this government promised a heap and has failed to deliver. They've wasted taxpayer money on spending on the wrong things. They are adopting a, a, a fiscal and monetary policy that is inflationary and is harming the very people they claim to look after. And we will be prosecuting those things. It is hard to get cut through, I think, 
uh, in mainstream media at the moment, and we're using alternative means. Our digital presence has has risen significantly in the last few months, and, and that's been evidenced by some of the research that you know once a month the Nation does some some social media analysis. We're getting lots of reach through those uh, digital means, and we've just got to keep going one day at a time. I, I talk about being in opposition as like cutting down a tree with a pocket knife. You know, every day you get up, you sharpen your pocket knife and you put another nick in the tree and nobody notices. And every and then after a while, the tree starts to list and it'll eventually fall. Is social media just noise though? I mean, clearly we're a lot more polar, um, uh, uh, polarized than we were um, a year or two ago. Do you think it's actually shifting the dial? It does to some degree. I think that it is a pretty large echo chamber and there's a lot of confirmation bias that goes on. We've got to be careful about that because the people we are surrounded by are blue people, right? So so we think the mood in the country is much, much greater uh, against the government than it is. But, you know, the Lord Ashcroft poll that came out last month showed, you know, 80% support for the COVID response. Well, that's not the world I live in. Um and, and I think, but firstly, I think that will have changed, by the way, because most of that polling was done around the start of the latest lockdown. But, mm. uh, you know, we've, we've got to get back to the things that we know matter to people and that they know we're good at. So we're, they, they think we're good at the economy. They think we're the party of law and order. Um, and, and they're not yet ready to support us because they don't think we're ready. Well, we will be ready. I think we've had a good few months uh, and there's still two years to go. Yeah, Michael, appreciate that we're a um, bit of a um, bit of a time limit today, but I certainly got better answers out of you, or more or clearer answers out of you than our um, last guest I had yesterday, which was the minister for local government. <laughs> um, I've, 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 it's it, it is refreshing to be able to have a conversation, and, I've, and it helps also that the audio is much better because you've come into the office. Well, thanks, Jordan. I appreciate it. And uh, rest assured, we will continue to head in the direction of lower taxes for all New Zealanders. Well, I'm, I'm certainly – the most disappointing thing from this interview is to learn that you're not yet a member like some of your colleagues. So, <laughs> I'll go and remedy that so straight away. We'll get $25 off you and, um, and, and, and get you signed up. You just lifted it out of a pocket. <laughs> thanks for joining Tax Bar Talk. Cheers.